Lent is about leaving behind a world governed by fear and anxiety and following Jesus into a world governed by generosity, forgiveness, and love. Morning, friends. Guess what? I finally decided what my next tattoo is going to be. I'm kidding. I'm not really going to get knuckle tattoos anytime soon, I don't think. But uh, it says more love. I've been wondering about this for a while. I've, as a lot of people do, wondered if I ever got knuckle tattoos, what they would say. <laughs> and that's what I decided about. And it's because, spoilers, I'm a church nerd. God is about love, obviously. God is about more. God is about more love. So I'm preaching to you today about uh, this story from Genesis 17. Abraham, excuse me, not Abraham, that's the point of the story. Abram was 99, very old man. And God comes and says, hi, I'm God, specifically the name El Shaddai, which we often translate God Almighty, uh, but literally means God of the mountain. And many people would actually interpret it as God of the breast. Interesting. Names are important, right? And God says, I'm going to make a covenant with you, a vow, a commitment. God says, I am going to make you flourish. Your children will be like the sand on the beach. And God says, as a sign of this, you will have a new name. I spoiled that before, right? Abram becomes Abraham and his wife, Sarai, becomes Sarah. Those are very similar. What's the difference? The difference is that both of those names get a little tiny chunk of the divine name added into them, like a, an aspiration, a little bit of breath of Yahweh gets added. Abram, Abraham, Sarai, Sarah. Both of those names now have part of God's name in them. It's like the breath at creation. They are set apart. They are holy. They are part of God as infinite love, infinitely giving itself away. This is the story. Why were you named what you were named? Where did that name come from? Is it a family name? Is it something that your parents made up? Is there a story there? In my husband's family, the women of various generations have been for several generations named Mary something. Mary Elizabeth, Mary Lou, Mary Cynthia. Some folks choose their own names. My friend Cole Finley picked his name fairly recently. Cole was the first trans man that he ever knew the name of, and Finley is just a beautiful name from his Irish ancestry. Maybe you changed your name when you got married, but why did you do that? Or why would you change your name in general? It might be to claim part of a tradition, it might be to connect to a new family, it might be to be more yourself. These names signify something, as do bad names. Sometimes we call ourselves or other people failure, disappointment, abomination. These names can become weapons to make somebody smaller or less. You might be familiar with the Names Project. It started in 1985 at the, well, not even the beginning, near the beginning of the AIDS crisis. The AIDS crisis was not a nebulous thing that only affected a very few. It was broad. Hundreds, thousands, millions of people have died from HIV-related conditions. And at the time, no one wanted 
to be near them. People were afraid to touch them. There were, there were people who didn't get funerals when they died of AIDS. And so the NAMES project started as a way to memorialize these humans. It was a quilt. Each quilt piece was three feet by six feet, the size of the average grave. And so people who loved the person who died would take sometimes pieces of their hair, or they would just quilt these beautiful pieces with hearts or things that that person liked and loved in life. And they would make this beautiful quilt piece. And then they were all laid out on the Washington Mall. The quilt is now so big that it cannot be shown in its entirety. There is no place in the world where you can see the whole thing. And it is still growing. And it's because these people who died of HIV-related conditions were fearfully and wonderfully made. They were loved and mourned and remembered and named when the culture around them didn't want to know. We are all of us made in the image and likeness of God. God puts God's name on us. And what we call God is important. Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, we know those ones. Yahweh Sabaot, God of the armies. God the Rock, the Mother Hen, Father. There was a point recently when I was at a low point and I was crying out to God. I said, I need to see something. I feel alone. And in the midst of my tears, it was nighttime and I looked up and it happened to be a very clear, beautiful night and the stars were out. And I said to God, show off. What God calls us is important too. Child, obstinate sometimes, beloved. And why, why are these names important? It's because also in this story, God creates a covenant with us, a contract, an agreement, a vow, a tether. God makes an indissoluble connection. God sets this relationship apart between us and God, makes us holy. This covenant that God makes is about love and it's about more, right? God talks about multiplying, the, the generations of people multiplying, and it's not just about the number of people. It's multiplying that love, that connection. What we call things is important. And so what we are trying to multiply is the truth and that connection. Maybe you remember a number of years ago, there was a story in the news about uh, a, a set of school books, I think, in Texas, where for whatever reason, they referred to the African slaves who were being brought over in the slave trade as workers brought over. That's very different, workers versus slaves. <laughs> the language that we use, the names we use for things mean something. We put our names and ourselves on the line for one another. Roger and I, when we were ordained to the priesthood, we took a vow. Actually, we took a number of vows. We were in that moment called by our names. And we were told by the bishop at the time, you are to love and serve the people among whom you work. 
caring alike for young and old, strong and weak, rich and poor. We made a covenant with God in that moment and with the church. And though we may not have known it at the time with you, that we would love and serve you. That's what this covenant is about. God's covenants make us flourish. God's covenant is to care for us. And so we then also covenant with each other in baptism to care for each other. It's not like just a nice thing, I care about you. It's not just an internal thing here at St. Timothy's. We make solemn vows at our baptism and in marriage and in ordination to care actively for each other. And more than this, we are blessed to be a blessing. God made creatures to make more creatures. God blesses us so that we can share that blessing with other people, like a candle flame that when you share it with other people's candles in the darkness makes the room brighter. The covenant that we have with God is just this, more love. God as infinite love, infinitely giving itself away in our very breath. We use our gifts for other people. Healthcare workers at the height of the pandemic were infinite love, infinitely giving themselves away. Our prison ministry at St. Timothy's, listening to the inmates there, infinite love, infinitely giving itself away. Our wonderful, beautiful ushers caring for Allie last week, more love. The prayer partners in the columbarium each week, you guys, they are doing such good work such good work that sometimes I can't get in to get my robe when I need it, which, to be clear, is totally fine. What they're doing is important. It is sharing more love. That love sometimes means saying no. Sometimes it can be hard. More love sometimes means sitting with something uncomfortable and being powerless. Love doesn't solve the problems, but it does make them easier to bear. Love multiplies. And this is the point. The call stories to Abraham and Sarah are about multiplication, as I said, not just children, but blessing, sharing experience, strength, and hope, inviting people into something new. So I want to leave you with this story. One of my former students who has been through a lot of things, that is very simply put, they have had a very difficult life. And when they showed up at the Edge House, they were fearful about what they would find to the point that they had brought a friend with them who was going to be there out if they thought it was uncomfortable. But they showed up anyway. And they stayed. And the number of times that we would sit around a table and talk theology or talk about the world, talk about love, and they would look at me with these wide eyes because they'd never heard this kind of story of love before. The love they knew was abusive. The love they knew was no love at all. And this was new. This was healing. This is what we covenant to do. This is what God covenants to do with us. And this is why our names are important. You, individually. Y'all, St. Timothy's. Not some nebulous someone else who's gonna take care of it, but specifically you. We, us, God calls us by name and we can respond more and love and more love. May it be so.
An Echo from the Well is a podcast of St. Timothy's Episcopal Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. If you would like to learn more, visit stTimothys.com. speed.